Hello and welcome to the Pumping Irony Podcast. This is episode 12, again. Ish. <laughs> 12, 12 ish. Um, this is a podcast where three friends, uh, law living in Columbia, Maryland, talk about things we like and we dislike. Today we have a special guest. His name is Dominic. Say hello, Dominic. Hello, Dominic. And he. Shrimp shot. <laughs> You've heard him mentioned several times on the podcast, and now we get to hear from the man himself. And uh, so we brought him in for a special, supersized episode of the Pumping Irony podcast. As a little insider, this is actually the second time we're recording episode 12 because the first one went away, and so that's lost to the ages. But it's all new content, all so new, it doesn't even new. matter. You're right, it doesn't. But if you're wondering why it's taken so long for us to get this out, it's because um, yeah, we lost an, we, lo- we lost an episode in there. Yeah. And sad for you, you won't hear all our wisdom from the one that it got lost. It was the best episode we'd ever done. Ever <laughs> it was, yeah. it was gold. I mean, yeah, the dance commentary alone. <laughs> so this is a new one, and we're going to get into uh, all new likes and dislikes, and I don't know if we'll ever swing back to the ones we talked about nope. before. <laughs> Gone um, forever. <laughs> so I'm actually going to start off... Uh, oh, let me introduce myself. My name is Tim, and... The regular podcast crew is Russ. Hi, Russ. And Andrew. <laughs> Hi, Russ. <laughs> so here we are. We're a little punchy, but that's okay. So I'm actually going to start with my like this uh, this week, and it is a TV show on the independent film channel, IFC, called Documentary Now. Has anyone seen it? I have not. I keep meaning to check it out. Okay. Nope. Um, I think you should, because it is pretty funny. It is, uh, it is, it is like a mockumentary half hour and they they just they love documentaries and so they kind of like are do their own versions of these real actual documentaries that are out there and there's only like just seven episodes each season season two there's there's been two episodes i think it airs on wednesday nights on the on on ifc they're on demand i don't know if they're on netflix um i DVR them because they right before season two they uh, they they kind of like showed the whole first season right right before it so I just like set my DVR to record them mm-hmm. all and I watched them I binge watched them but um, yeah like I said it, it's a um, a, a documentary um, television series it's created by three Saturday Night Live alums that's uh, Seth Meyers Bill Hader and Fred Armisen mm-hmm. and uh, mostly Fred and and Bill are starting in, in each of them Seth works. At, Acts as an executive producer and and some and a writer in some of them. They actually got Helen Mirren to um to host them to because so, they wanted to have gravitas like it's a real right. documentary <laughs> series. And what it is is like this this fake um a long running like PBS documentary series called Documentary Now. And there's the first season they say they're in their fiftieth season, mm-hmm. and now they're in their fifty first season. But <laughs> yes. yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's um. It's, it's pretty funny. Lauren Michaels is, is part of it, as you can imagine, with all the Silent Live alums. Mm-hmm. But what it, with the, the kind of the um, the seeds of it were on back on Silent Night Live when uh, in 2013 uh, Fred Armisen and Bill Hader portrayed mm-hmm. faded British punk rock stars in a segment. Ian Rubbish and the Bizarro's History of Punk, made in the style of This Is Spinal Tap. Yep. So they kind of got the idea, let's make these more documentaries. And so I'll just go, um, I'm going to talk about a few of the episodes, but I'll just go in. Like the first episode of the first season is called Sandy Passage, and that's um, a parody of Grey Gardens, the documentary. The second one was Canuck Uncovered, which was a 
uh, <laughs> spoof on Nanook Revisited. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but the, on, on that episode, they, they really uh, want to make quality films, and so they actually search for these 1920-era camera lenses so they could film this documentary <laughs> oh. to look like the real, the real documentary. So they, that's awesome. there's, some, there's some thought and some, some craft put into mm-hmm. these things. They're not just... They're not making fun of documentaries. They like documentaries, yeah. and so they're kind of like spoofing them, but they really um, are going kind of all out yeah. for them. And they actually film on location whenever they can. So then the next one is Drones with a Z, The Hunt for El Shingon. That's like a Vice News documentary. <laughs> it's got Jack Black in it, and uh, it's pretty funny. The Eye Doesn't Lie, which is a parody on the Thin Blue Line. And then the, the, the first season ends with this two-parter called Gentle and Soft, The Story of the Blue Jean Committee, um, which is kind of mocking the history of the Eagles um, documentary, if you saw that. So... It's pretty funny because they actually recorded all these songs. There actually is an EP out on mm-hmm. Apple's music. You can get, uh, you know, Blue Jean Community doing their Gentle and Soft EP, but <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, the, the the second season starts off with this um, uh, this documentary called The Bunker, and it is spoofing the uh, 1992 documentary called The War Room, which was about the Bill Clinton yeah. um, campaign with... Uh, James Carville and George Stephanopoulos. Mm-hmm. And so Bill Hader, who's done, um, if you've ever seen his Carville impersonations on Science Live, oh, uh, yeah. it's pretty yes. spot on. Yeah. So so that's kind of like, they want, he wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And then um, Fred Armisen is playing the George Stephanopoulos character, and they're, they're trying to get this, um, this grandfather, this really nice grandfather, elected to be the governor of Ohio. And uh, he really has no qualifications, but they're like... <laughs> Uh, they made a bet in the bathroom they can get anybody elected to anything and that's why they, <laughs> they did it but it is pretty spot on even like there's a uh, there's a scene where Bill Hader comes into like this um, campaign headquarters and he's wearing this god awful sweater and then on the IFC app um, they actually have some extras and they have like a side by side comparison to the bunker and then the war room. And so you see Bill Hader walking in this really god awful sweater, but then you see James, James Carville, Carville with the like same, it. almost exactly <laughs> looking sweater. And you're like, Oh gosh. So I actually watched that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. And, uh, like I said, this is a new thing for season two. They're actually having all these extras on the app where you can go in and they mm-hmm. have like a background, um, like the, the writers and like Seth Meyers and Fred Armisen and the writers and the directors kind of, you know, a short five minute talking about the episode, mm-hmm. um, and then you got that side by side comparison. But the um, the second episode for the new season is called "Juan Likes Rice and Chicken," and oh that's, uh, they're parroting um, uh, Jiro dreams of sushi. Oh. <laughs> so this one, and it is so funny because they actually went to Colombia. It's about this farmer in um, in Colombia, mm-hmm. and they actually went to Columbia to actually film it. So they're actually on scene and talking about, you know, seeing these huge tarantulas and uh, getting freaked out. But um, <laughs> this um, this guy, um, Juan, you know how, if you've ever seen, anyone see the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi? I haven't seen it, but I know. One of these I days. Know, but, um, yeah. It's, it's a actually really good documentary, but in it, you know, Jiro is this sushi master and he actually goes and he picks out all of the ingredients, you know, he's, he's very meticulous and he only will pick the, the right ingredients. And then in the Juan likes rice and chicken, they have the scene where he has to go and he has to catch the chicken and, um, and he gives himself five minutes. And if he can't catch the chicken in five minutes, there's no chicken that night on the menu. <laughs> That's how he's got to have it in five minutes. And, and so yeah, sushi. 
That, that, yeah. yeah, now I want sushi, but I want some rice and chicken too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty funny because on the app they have the the, the side by side comparison. So I know you guys, I know you for for, for sure, Russ. Like documentaries, we were just talking about last night. You guys checked out three documentaries yeah. from the um library. from the library. Yeah. But so I've only yeah. seen I've only seen um I've seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi and I've seen um, the History of the Eagles, which is the mm-hmm. the Blue Jean Committee was uh, was parodying that. But even that, you know, is you can still get appreciation if you haven't seen a lot of documentaries oh, yeah. for for what they're trying to do. Especially funny if you've actually seen the documentary that they're kind of parodying. Uh, they're they're um, I saw them. I forget what the the name of the band is, but they're doing a Talking Heads band. Yes, yeah, that's and a, it's, <laughs> it's the the song. I, it was on the Tonight Show or something. One anyway, of the late night late night ones. The song they did was called "Art Plus Student Equals Poor," and it was <laughs> a perfect Talking Heads song. Yeah. It was just like you know. Yeah, that's uh, really for the the stop making sense. That's yeah. like coming up. That's the fifth um, fifth yeah, episode yeah. of the season. Um, <laughs> Should be airing soon. Uh, so yeah, that's that is the um, the indep- independent film channel si- show documentary now. And even though IFC had a chain, <laughs> right? That's that's a solid callback to the podcast. No one will ever. That's do. right. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about Portlandia. That's on IFC yeah. before, and uh, so yeah, Fred Arbison, I you know, is, is the kind of a mainstay now on on uh, IFC because he's got. Two shows on there now, yep. so check out documentary now. Like I said, I, it films on on Wednesdays because the next one is a, is tomorrow night, September twenty eighth, and they're they're parodying on Wednesdays. Was that? So it probably airs on Wednesdays. Airs on Wednesdays, yeah. I mean, they might have also film on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, did I say film? They might also film on other days. <laughs> aired on Wednesdays. Um, I'm looking at this other thing. A so really tight production. Yeah. <laughs> they film and yeah, air yeah. this. The yeah, same it's like South Park <laughs> level. Yeah. It's guerrilla documentary making. They don't just do it live. So there you go. Um, right. And I think, like I said, I think you can watch it on demand. And um, you can watch some of them on the IFC app. Cool. So that's my like. We're going to go now to our special guest, Dominic. All righty. Well, um... Can I first say that as a completionist, uh, if I was just like a fan listening, I would be so mad about a lost episode, uh, right? Because yeah. aren't you glad you were here? <laughs> yes, and yes, I am. <laughs> because I'm one of four people that can say he's heard all the episodes. Because <laughs> um, yeah. you know, the original run of Doctor Who still has lost episodes, which we'll annoys me to no end. Even though if they found them in a vault somewhere, all I would probably do is like half watch them while I was playing Candy Crush. So like it's not like I would you know devote reverence to it, but uh, it it annoys me nonetheless. So anyway, so ironically, during the lost episode, my dislike was uh, new network TV, mm-hmm. but my like this week is a new network TV show. Awesome. So how do you like that? Um, full but, circle. Yeah, full circle, exactly. So um, the new show is called The Good Place. Okay. It's the, the new show with uh, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. And it's from the. It's created by the co creator of Brooklyn Nine Nine and um, Parks and Rec. So if you, like, if you said, you know, there's a, a show from the co creator of Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec starring Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, I don't care what it's about. <laughs> like, I will watch it. You've already won me over. It doesn't matter to me. Um, and then conversely, if you had a show that was about like the afterlife, but in a, a brand new kind of way that kind of like expands your mind and asks like, what is morality and stuff without any of those people, I would also be interested. So the fact that all of that is true 
uh, I was like, all right, I don't even know if anybody else is going to care about this show, but much like anything else, I'm, I'm going to check it out anyway, and if it gets canceled or something, I'll just mm -hmm. be in sorrow as I <laughs> often am. But uh, it's really interesting. So it, it starts out with, uh, you know, Kristen Bell just wakes up in the afterlife, and uh, the first person that she sees is Ted Danson, which is, you know, comforting and lovely, if that's the first person that you see after dying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he explains that all the world's religions only get it about, quote, 5% right, okay. is what he says. He's like, they're all, you know, kind of in the ballpark, but not really. And goes on to explain, oh, you know, you're going to live over here, and here's how things work in the, in the good place. And, um, you know, everyone's paired up with their soulmate, and her soulmate happens to be, uh, like, this 20-something guy from Senegal who's actually mm -hmm. speaking... French okay and you know just like a translation thing that goes on with everybody and then he goes oh and you can also watch you know any moment from your life I particularly like this one where you're aiding children in the Congo or you know whatever it is and and then he just kind of pieces out and says I'll see you guys at orientation so then she pulls over like her soulmate and she's like yeah those weren't my memories <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here you know and so the whole thing is kind of about her uh, coming to terms with the fact that maybe she doesn't belong, mm -hmm. you know, in the good place. Like, mm -hmm. and if she ended up here, does that mean that she switched places with somebody who's now in the bad yeah. place, <laughs> as they call it, which you only hear, like, briefly what that's like, and it's just people screaming and yelling and okay. whatever. Um, so she's kind of learning, because he was a, I forgot to mention, he's an ethics professor, her soulmate is. Like, okay. he was an ethics professor when he was alive, and so he's kind of teaching her about ethics, and and it, uh, it operates almost like Lost, where it's like, there's always a flashback story, mm -hmm. very briefly, usually about 15 to 30 seconds, maybe, if that. Um, well, I guess probably more than that. <laughs> that would be really brief. Um, but, you know, it's a minute or so of her life where she was, you know, not a great person, mm -hmm. but not a horrible, horrible person or anything. You know, she wasn't a serial killer or something mm -hmm. that we know of yet. <laughs> but she just kind of treated people terribly and... and um, you know, it's very self-centered, but just, you know, like kind of middle of the road terrible, I guess mm -hmm. you would say. But then in the, there's this really great freeze frame shot. You know, I love when they pack a bunch of jokes into something mm -hmm. that you're not going to see unless you, you pause it. But where it explains what gives you positive and negative points in, in the good place, like what how you ended up here. And positives will be things like um, not eating meat. But then a big negative is telling people that you don't eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> so they have lots of good, like, jokes hidden in there, which I which I always love when that happens, but uh, it's just kind of interesting how they build, and, and they ask all these questions about, you know, what does make a, a good person, because uh, someone else, her next door neighbor got there by giving billions to charity, but she's kind of this vacuous, like, self-centered person, <laughs> mm. and you're like, so you seem kind of terrible, but I guess you did a bunch of good things, but does that make you good, or, you know, if you were able to give billions to charity, then... Okay, well, how much money did you have, though? You know, right. that's a little bit easier if you have hundreds of billions, you know, to kind of give out or whatever. So, um, or I guess she raised billions, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> but still very rich, I'm sure. So, you know, it's just kind of those interesting questions and queries. And, mm -hmm. and then the world building that they do for how the good place operates and um, how she changes it because she's not supposed to be there um, is, fa is kind of fascinating. And then I'm legitimately hooked... Like, if it was a drama, I would be hooked into the serialization. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so it's funny, but also, like, you're really hooked into the story. So I've been very much enjoying that so far. There's only been, uh, there's a double-sized pilot, and then, like, leads right into the second episode, and then a third episode, and that's all there's been so far. 
So you can watch it on NBC.com or you can watch it on Hulu. And it airs on a Thursdays at 8 on NBC if you want to watch it live for some bizarre mm-hmm. reason instead of <laughs> on the internet later like yeah. us regulars. Watch it like Live Plus 7 or whatever. Yeah, Live Plus 7, Live Plus 3. You know how it goes. So uh, so yeah, so that's my, my like for this, this okay. week. And I quite like it. I have I read about it and I was actually wanting to hear from someone about it first before I gave it a shot. I should have just started recording it. I thought I thought it, my first hesitation was I think I thought it was going to be on CBS first, and I was like, yeah. Oh no! I so would then I was like, it. I was going to like <laughs> that would make me stay away kind of thing. Yeah. But but to hear this on NBC, which you know back in the nineties had great comedies on it, and even and a the few 2000s. years ago, right? Yeah. I mean Parks and Rec and. They're looking to rebuild their comedy rock? brand, they said, okay. because uh, they, the longest-running comedy that they have right now is The Carmichael Show, which has been on for 22 episodes. <laughs> so they were kind of like, maybe we should give things a chance again. Yeah. Yeah, I have all the episodes, but I have had zero time to watch any mm-hmm. of them. Um, it's definitely on the list. And for the record, CBS has had upwards of two good shows in the last year. <laughs> so... <laughs> Brain Dead being one of them. Oh, that's right. That so. was CBS. I actually watch a few shows on CBS, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I DVR some of the stuff that it's kind of hard to tell which network you're watching sometimes. Like, Earth of Interest was on a CBS. That's right, yeah. You um, always know when you're watching I really like Limitless, um, but that got canceled. <laughs> I still watch Scorpion, but I hate watch Scorpion. So. <laughs> All right. It's so ridiculous. I mean, it's... Well, yeah. I, I, he watched previews for his Scorpion. <laughs> that seemed like enough. Yeah, I'm still. I'll still give it another shot. I don't know if they haven't gotten so ridiculous that uh, they haven't lost me yet, but they're come really, really close a couple of times. So, but there, yeah, that CBS show. Well, there you go. I'm I'm glad you brought that because I was really interested in that show and I wanted I wanted to hear someone's opinion about it. So there you go. Thank you very much, Dominic. You know it. All right, so Russ, what's your like this time? All right, time? Um, mine's pretty short this time, but first of all, a uh, callback, a shout out to a former like of yours, which is Stranger Things. Totally awesome. Family watched it. Just want to say, if you haven't seen it yet, go stop what you're doing and go watch it right now. It's really, really good. So, Owen, <laughs> Owen and I watched episode five before I came over here. So <laughs> nice. I'm rewatching with yeah. him. We we binge watched it on Saturday, um, so yeah. I almost had a Stranger Things dislike, but decided not to go with it. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now I'm intrigued. So my like is uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailers for the new Godzilla movie. I have not. Godzilla seen... Resurgence. Yeah. So it's actually made by Toho Studios, which oh. is a big plus in my in my book. I liked I liked the last uh, Godzilla movie. Um, didn't love it, but I liked it, um, and that was... They killed off Brian Cranston too early. Yeah, yeah. They killed off, that was... <laughs> oh if Brian Cranston had been in it the whole time, yeah. that would have upped the movie quite a bit. But anyway, but I've just seen a couple trailers for this new one. Um, it's been released in Japan already, I guess. Okay. And the trailer that's been released here is just, like, music. There's no, no dialogue, but, I mean, there's lots of people talking, and it's just it's a nicely cut trailer mm-hmm. like i'm interested i want to know what these people are are you know what their relationships are and and everything oh and there's a giant monster you know <laughs> right <laughs> killing killing people and crushing crushing buildings in tokyo or or some other japanese city so and so godzilla looks kind of like a guy in a suit and i think that's how they actually did it <laughs> but they put you know the cgi enhanced it so okay. <laughs> so it has that movement like, like that, ryan reynolds yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it has that CG, that, uh, that um, movement that, you know, the original Godzilla right. had, which I always love. I just, I kind of like the, the knowing that they're on a giant set, and it's a guy in a suit, and moving around. But this Godzilla looks cool. He looks kind of like he's decayed a little bit, or... Zombie Godzilla? Zombie Godzilla, almost. Mm. I don't know, he's got this glowing red stuff. It's mm. like, it might, maybe he's, you know, nuclear meltdown from the inside, I don't know, but... Uh, but it looks cool, and the uh, the the shots with Godzilla are all done, you know, kind of low angles. So it's uh, he looks massive, and there are tanks and and helicopters shooting stuff at him and everything. So so nice. Since it's made by Toho Studio, does that mean like the primary cast is Japanese? Yes, and, absolutely. And is it going to be like all Japanese? Is it going to so. be in Japanese with like English subtitles? Or are they going to dub it like or they might old, dub it? I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it'd be fine with me because I love <laughs> yeah. I love. Uh, Seeing the old oh, because I mean, movies, I guess but... you haven't you haven't seen anyone talk, right? Right. Actually, I, I did I did click and see the next another uh, another trailer that came out in Japan. So okay. it's it's all people speaking Japanese, but okay. you know. So I don't know how they're going to do it here in the U.S., but I'm looking forward to it. It's coming out October 11th, I think. Oh, so nice. soon, and it'll probably be limited release and yeah. all that, and go straight to video. But whatever, you know. So I'll give it a chance. See it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like a good monster movie. Yeah. There's been few and far between these lately. There have been. So, I mean, what? Uh, like I said, the Godzilla's all right. Um, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Pretty good. That was a good, pretty good was, monster yeah. movie. Eight years ago. Yeah, a little while ago. Um, <laughs> like I said, there's been few and far between. Yeah. I mean, I liked I liked uh, Pacific Rim. I know a lot of people didn't, but I liked that movie. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I love Pacific Rim. <laughs> that was a good monster I movie. I really enjoy Pacific Rim. Yeah. yeah. Russ is the only one who I didn't like that in particular. I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't I think enjoyed it good, for what it but... was, but, but I, w- I don't really want to see it again. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's fair. definitely low on the list of my favorite Guillermo del Toro yeah. movies, but yeah, definitely. well, yeah, <laughs> I still enjoy it a lot. Um, I mean, it's not uh, what that terrible, the last terrible one, Crimson was. Peak. Crimson Peak. <laughs> it's way higher than Crimson Peak. I agree with that. <laughs> I want to see a Crimson Tide, Crimson Peak crossover where yeah. this haunted mansion is in the submarine. Or something. I, I just kind of want to see Godzilla step on the Crimson Peak house. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a like really, that would have been a great ending. <laughs> that would have been a great ending. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it just turns into a Godzilla or Pacific Rim story. Yeah, and then like the the robots from Pacific Rim start fighting Godzilla. That would have been a great movie. <laughs> well, that's a short like, but go. yeah. So the yeah. the new Godzilla from Toho Studios. I'll check out the uh, the preview. All right, I guess that means I'm up. You're up, Andrew. You're up. Um, so it is the end of summer as we're recording this. It, or is it fall? It's fall. I guess. It I don't think it's out. actually fall. Yeah, we're, that's we're cool. Fall. So it's fall as we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> you you may hear this. Two. You may hear this in winter, probably, <laughs> or never. Or you may on, never hear it based <laughs> on my track based record. on past experiences. <laughs> um, but um, so I wanted to talk about uh, just some some books that I'd read over the summer. A lot of these uh, on mission trips and stuff. Um, so this was I had sort of like a summer reading uh, li- like uh, folder that I made on my Kindle, and I just started mm-hmm. like going through book after book, um, just trying to get some some books in over the summer. Uh, so I wanted to co- talk about a couple of them um, that actually seemed worth talking about. Some of them were just you know sort of whatever quick thrillers or whatever. Um, but some of them were a lot more interesting, so I want to talk about three specifically. Uh, the first being a book called uh, The Fireman 
uh, by Joe Hill, who uh, is an awesome author. Stephen King's um, son? Yes. yes. Mm. Um, Stephen King's son, who famously wouldn't tell people who was Stephen King's son, and I think even his agent didn't know for like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> So he was like, I'm doing this on my own. That's cool. Awesome. <laughs> I like um, that. Uh, yeah, so um, just real briefly, Joe Hill's awesome. Um, if you haven't read Lock and Key and you like comics, you should go read Lock and Key. I have never because read anything Lock of and King, it, Lock and Key is fantastic. Okay, um, it's like a, so, so you say it's a graphic novel? Yeah, it's a, yeah. There's a couple different, like, couple different ones. Okay. Yeah, it's um, six, like four total. or six or okay. something now. Yeah. I don't even know if I read the last one. What? Um, I don't remember. It's been a while. Because I was reading these like as they're coming out, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then there'd be sure. like a, a two or three year gap, like because it wasn't like a, a monthly thing. Oh, I see. Right. Um, so be like, oh, there's a whole other Locking Hill collection or Locking Key collection that I didn't realize had come up. So, um, but yeah, those are those are great uh, comics. Um, this is, I think, his like second or third novel. Um, it's awesome. Um, it's about people um, being infected. It takes place around present day. Um, people are infected with, like, this disease that basically makes you spontaneously combust, oh. and the disease is contagious. Oh, <laughs> so, that's not good. So, like, it, ba- it starts off with, like, this teacher, like, at school, and they're talking about, like, hey, there haven't been, like, any instances of, like, the dragon scale or whatever disease, like, in Connecticut or Boston or wherever they're at. Um, and then, like, someone blows up at a school, and it's like, <laughs> well, there goes Boston, or whatever town this is. And basically, humanity just, like, devolves real quick, because, mm. like, I mean... You know, this isn't, like, you know, quite a zombie thing where they people stay alive. But I guess, like, you know, it, it, since it is contagious, either airborne or by... Like, no one's really sure at the beginning if it's airborne or by mm-hmm. touching people or how you actually get this. So the whole world's basically in fear of these people. And you know when someone has it because for up to, you know, up to months, they'll have, like, this scale stuff on, on them. So, like... These people are being ostracized and then blowing them, blowing up, just like catching fire. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, the, the main character who is this teacher ends up in this, uh, or I guess she was a school nurse, uh-huh. um, ends up in this, te- uh, this hospital for people with the dragon scale. I think that's what it's called. It's been a few months. Um, uh, basically where they're being treated and try to, you know, keep alive as, as long as possible until like, you know, just the whole hospital burns down because... You know, someone, one person goes, and then the thing is, like, sort of stress-related, so you see other people going, and you're more likely to blow up. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so she ends up sort of with the, in this sort of, like, commune cult of people that all have it, but have learned to sort of live with it, mm-hmm. um, and are it's sort of them against the world, almost, because the government and there's a lot of people that just want to go out and seek out and kill these people because they are infecting the world basically. And, you know, they're trying to say, Hey, no, it's cool. We've figured this out and it's not a bad thing. Um, so there's, and there's also this whole like sort of almost religion built around it. Like they've like accepted it and like when they're together and like sort of let go of everything and they're just like, you know, singing songs and stuff. Like everyone will start to glow, but now like, like, um, blow up and they get like this sort of high, um, (laughs) together. And it's like this weird, like religious experience. Um, so it's really interesting. And, you know, all the places that it goes from there, um, it it goes to some places that I wouldn't have expected at the beginning. So that was really interesting. Uh, Joe Hill, check out Joe Hill's work just in general, uh, whether or not you read that book. Um, second was a book called a head full of ghosts. Um, which is just an awesome title for a book. <laughs> yes, anyway, <it> <laughs> um, 
This book is about uh, that. It's by uh, author named uh, Paul Tremblay. Um, it's about a girl who, who named Mary, whose family was part of like a sort of like a Discovery Channel reality series. Um, went after her sister Marjorie, like was dealing with like demonic possession or something. Hmm. So it takes place roughly present day, or no, it might take place like ten years or so in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like basically like 10, 15 years after this documentary has been filmed, um, like is present day in the book. So she's basically, it, it sort of flips between three different points of view, like one or three, like, like narrative devices, I guess. Uh, so you have, uh, Mary talking to this girl and like, she's sort of doing like a memoir kind of thing where she's talking about the events of her past. Um, you have like the actual, like, you know, recollection of that, which is all told as, you know, like being in present day, so Mm -hmm. like, but in flashback. And then you have a blogger uh, critiquing the episodes of the show as like a 15, 10 or 15 year, like in memoriam or whatever, because Mm -hmm. like it was this wildly popular thing because you, (laughs) like, I mean, if today someone came on TV and like they had a, you know, reality show. If if the Duggars were possessed, I would watch it. That's basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying, right? And that's sort of what the show was: is like this eight episode thing or whatever, where you have this teenage girl who is possessed, um, which would be super interesting. So it was like this phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know, in the world of the book at the time. Uh, it's I found it super interesting because you don't like you don't really know for a while uh, or. Like, if, like, Marjorie's actually possessed or if some, it's something she's putting on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that question going on. It uh, it surprises you in, like, weird weirder ways just because of the way the story is being told. So you might have an offhanded reference to something that would be a major twist in a different book. Huh. So, like, if you were, just, for example, if you were reading The Sixth Sense, and I'll spoil The Sixth Sense. Oh, boy. But, like, if instead of being, like, the end, like, oh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time, if a third of the way through the book, like, a character just says, oh, yeah, and then we find... And, just offhandedly talks about the fact that they found out Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then you, do, but they don't get to that for another, however many chapters. <laughs> like that's just a whole different way to tell a story, which is super interesting. Yeah. Um, and it allows them to sort of flip that around from time to time and give you and surprise you in other ways, which I found really interesting. I don't want to go too much into that because you should read the book. It's mm-hmm. actually pretty good. And it's fairly short. Um, yeah, I was looking, I was looking at Amazon. It was only like 320 pages. So. Yeah. Um, I, I was reading this in Andrew, so I was actually talking to Nick about it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed fairly interested in reading it. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, and it's it's also partially, it seems like, a bit of a love letter to just, like, old, like, possession tales. So there's lo- lots of, you know, the, the main character even, you know, is a big fan of that kind of stuff. So there's lots of references mm-hmm. to The Exorcist um, and all of that kind of stuff. Um which, I mean, since it takes place in the real world where all of those things have happened, mm-hmm. you know, you can make overt references to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it interesting because you also, if Marjorie wasn't, you know, actually possessing something she's just putting on, then it allows, you know, her to potentially be making references to that in the way she's pretending to be possessed or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, you could have, you know... If you spit out pea soup or whatever, like right. a girl who's seen the exorcist would think, you know, this is that might be it, right. what, what you do when you're possessed. So right. 
it adds that element, which I thought was really interesting too. Um, really, really cool book. Uh, definitely recommend that. Um, and then last, um, and probably my favorite book I read over the summer, uh, was a book called The Rook. Um, and I just finished up its sequel, which is called Stiletto. And that's by an author named, uh, Daniel O'Malley. And The Rook, as far as I can tell, is his debut novel. And it's, like, fantastic. Like, this is probably one of my favorite books I've read in a long, long time. Uh, as a side note, apparently reviews of The Girl with All the Gifts movie are coming out because it was just shown at like TIFF or whatever, and they are rave reviews. Really? Like, oh. Yeah, apparently the movie is phenomenal. So super really? excited about that because that's one of my other probably mm-hmm. other top two books of the last uh, how you know mm-hmm. few months or years. Um, so the book's called The Rook. Uh, I I was trying to figure out how to explain this book, um, so I went and found the Amazon description in the beginning. Of the Amazon description just starts off saying, I think this is a perfect description of the beginning of the book. Um, uh, starts off with a sentence, The body you are wearing used to be mine. Uh, so begins the letter to Miffany Thomas, uh, the, the letter Miffany Thomas is holding when she awakes in a London park surrounded by bodies all wearing latex gloves. Uh, with no recollection of who she is, Miffany must follow the instructions her former self left behind to discover her identity and track down the agents who want to destroy her. <laughs> Like, if that doesn't hook you, <laughs> then you probably shouldn't read that book. But I was hooked from, like, the first, like, paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, because starting off a book with the body you're wearing it used to be mine is pretty solid. <laughs> that's, that's that's a really... Uh, that's up there with, like, the, the like Seven Eves or whatever uh, intro, which was, like, uh, the moon exploded, <laughs> like, uh, without warning, like, completely and without warning or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Which is another great way to grip you. So the book starts off with this letter from uh, Miffany Thomas of the past to Miffany Thomas of the present. Uh, because Miffany knew that she was going to lose her memory at some point. She didn't know when, but she knew he was, she was going to get attacked and lose her memory. So she basically, and she's a planner, she's a, you know, a bureaucrat. <laughs> so she wrote a lot of letters to herself and there were binders and like, like post-it notes and all this stuff. Like, she she basically, she left letters in every jacket she owned, mm-hmm. so that when her next self woke up, she would have a letter to herself. <laughs> she's like, she's like, literally, look in my wardrobe, every single jacket has a letter to you, like the same letter to you in the pocket. Um, so she knew she was going to lose her memory at some point, so she wrote a lot of letters to herself to let her know what's going on, because mm-hmm. her new self was going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, uh, Miffany uh, worked for a sort of a supernatural government agency called the Chiquet, and she was a, a high-ranking member. Um, her title was a rook, because all this stuff is based off chess pieces. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a king and queen, because it turns out the monarchy uh, was a bit miffed at that. So they have the <laughs> lord and lady, but then you have the, the chevaliers and the rooks and pawns and um, bishops. So a uh, really, really cool uh, book. Um, super, super... I love just the way he writes... And I told you guys one of the lines, um, the last thing. I'm going to read through some of my favorite, just out of context, I'm going to read a few <laughs> li- of my favorite lines from the book. Uh, so starting with, in the cases above, all but one of the murders, murderers were briskly tracked down, briskly tried, and then executed with a conspicuous lack of briskness. <laughs> um, <laughs> receiving no answer, she settled her mind that he was not a supernatural rabbit and turned her thoughts to what needed to be done. <laughs> Uh, she was tall and dressed in the kind of casual clothes 
that will let you kill someone easily and won't draw attention from passerby. Khakis are good for this kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, you have, uh, this was the other Miffany Thomas, of course, the one that was you before you were you. <laughs> um, the, as a result, the accountant had been permanently stained purple and obligated to learn to operate a calculator with his tongue because he no longer had any arms. <laughs> uh, what Thoreau had done was in the best tr traditions of the British Empire. She had simultaneously discovered a species and gone to war with it. Uh, you have... <laughs> Gentlemen, please try not to jostle my interrogational gynecologist. <laughs> um, then you have, uh, usually we get an irritating prophecy that will inevitably rhyme, but not scan, and that is so metaphor-ridden as to render it completely incomprehensible. Or else it's some twit who wants his epilepsy to have greater meaning. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then... Uh, last ones are, uh, what? No, I didn't want waste a pr prophetic duck question on the possibility of unexpected dinner guests. Do you even know how the duck works? <laughs> Related to that one, we don't know how long lived it would be. Uh, it will be the only way to know if the duck is mortal is to stay alive until the duck dies. <laughs> uh, and, uh, last you have, uh, Felicity cringed a little. The dress lay on the bed, malignant and resentful like an angry jellyfish. It was technically a dress in the same way that dirt is technically edible. If Judas Iscariot was alive and a woman and attending formal functions, wearing this dress would still represent a disproportionate punishment for his sins. Awesome. <laughs> um, so just one of those books, sort of like in the vein of Hitchhikers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, where you just, I just love the way it's written. I just yeah. get joy out of just reading the narration. Um, something that it would never translate super well to film or anything like that because mm -hmm. so much of what I love is the way that it's just right. written. Same as Hitchhikers, which doesn't right. work yeah. super well mm -hmm. as a movie or TV show or anything other than it a book. tried. Yeah, and it's not it bad did. as those things necessarily. It's just no. you lose a lot. As good. Yeah. Yeah, um, not just as not, good. yeah, just being out that. Um, it's super fun because uh, you'll have these long, like sort of like actually Hitch Hitchhiker's Guide, you'll have these chapters that are just Miffany's old self writing a letter explaining things like, like, hey, here's what's up with the chiquet or whatever. <laughs> this is why uh, this bishop is a vampire <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, just like explaining that kind of stuff. So those ended up being a lot of my favorite things. Uh, still out of the follow-up, I didn't like quite as much, um, more because uh, it, like, what I, I really respect that it doesn't try to go, like, you can't mimic that narrative device again like mm -hmm. you can't mm -hmm. pull that same trick twice like mm -hmm. Miffany can't just have uh, amnesia like mm -hmm. and then have written a bunch of stuff for, right. for herself that would be interesting so it did try to go and sort of tackle a different aspect um of the chiquet and a bunch of other stuff um but it was less fun you know not being with Miffany um like I just you know enjoyed her like you know character's personality and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff was one of my favorite parts of the book it's super interesting, I think, that the the second Miffany Thomas uh, doesn't have the same personality or anything like that as her former self. Like, in, I thought that was a, a fun choice. Mm -hmm. So you can have, like, the new Miffany being annoyed at stuff that the old one right. did, or, like, mad at her, you know, taste in clothes, like, why would you wear this kind of stuff? <laughs> um, or just other characters looking at her like, uh... Like, the fact that she's basically, imp she has to impersonate herself mm -hmm. um, uh, is super interesting. <laughs> like, 
yeah, you just have, you know, you see stuff. I've seen plenty of things where people are trying really hard to impersonate other like, twins or clones mm. or whatever, mm-hmm. but I've never read something where someone's trying to impersonate herself, um, <laughs> and I find that really, really interesting. Mm. Um, so, super, super fun book. So it sounds very uh, British. The Rook. Yeah, very British. <laughs> um, there's actually a part that basically talks about Brexit, you know, a few years before it happens, and like, talking about the EU, and, you know, it's well and good to have all of these connections, and, you know, the price of cheese is down or something, but then you have to deal with all of these other countries. <laughs> uh, so, highly recommend all of those books, mm-hmm. um, and I won't talk about the ones I read that weren't great. Well, that's probably good. <laughs> all right, well, we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back with our dislikes for the week. Wise men say if you want to know a man, walk a mile in his shoes. Don't know about you, but I'm more of a barefoot guy. I'm headed down that rough and bumpy road, less travel. Hope to be up my to sin, last till I pay my dues. When the going gets tough, yeah. When the weather gets rough, yeah. Strap him on, lace him up, put on my walking shoes. All right, and we're back, and as usual, we go in reverse order, so that means, Andrew, you're up again with your dislike. Yeah, so I'm going to take uh, sort of one of, like, Tim's beat of, like, really a dislike of something really, really small and petty. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, that really does not matter, but sometimes you find out you have to record a podcast in 24 hours and you haven't had any time to experience bad things that I actually want to talk about. Like, you know, I'm because we could talk all night about, you know, presidential debates and stuff like that, right. but that doesn't sound fun. So I'm going to talk about know. the new Pepsi. Um, <laughs> Which I think Tim actually happens to have a can of, yes. which is a great demonstration. That's what that is? Yeah. yeah. So I thought Pepsi it was an energy drink. So, yeah. Pep- so Pepsi came out with Hipster Pepsi, um, like Pepsi 1893 or something, which is interesting. Like, is that supposed to be a batch number or a year? Because, I think like, it's supposed to be the year? Probably Pepsi yeah. was founded in 1893, I yeah. guess. But... but I don't think this is meant to mimic the old Pepsi. Is that true? I don't know. Well, it's it's kind of going back to like the the... Going back to the roots of the of the stuff, with real sugar, sparkling water, oh. dark brown malt flavor, cola nut extract, cocaine, and a touch oh, of wait, aromatic no. finish. <laughs> That's the other one. That's you was gonna say you can't mimic cocaine. So I yeah, think it's, it's trying to get formula. back to the original kind of original recipe of Pepsi. Yeah. It's it's meant to be like high end, like hipster Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> like for the craft beer crowd and right. stuff like that. My issue is less with the the taste of the Pepsi stuff. It tastes pretty good. Um, you know, I, I would prefer my Pepsi not to cost as much as it does. Um, <laughs> but I grabbed a can of it today when I was going from place to place and had to get some gas or whatever. Um, and my dislike is the can because, as Dominic pointed out, it looks like an energy drink and it's in a Red Bull. Yeah like style can right it's 12 ounces but it's in this tall long thin can right um but my cup holders are not meant for the (laughs) (laughs) too much rattling around my cup holders are meant for the standard 12 ounce can which is short and fat um so i like the whole time i'm like i either have to hold this thing or it's rattling around my cup holders and i was very upset and i probably won't buy it again just because of that does Pepsi sell special hipster cup holders? Oh, they should. 
like, hey, you want to drink this on the road? Right. Well, the actually, they're probably for like, um, like penny farthings and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> they sell them, right. but they're not meant for the handlebar mustache. And your... <laughs> yeah, fits perfectly in the Model T's couple. Exactly. So yeah, artesian, artesian Pepsi. Artesian. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. So yeah, yeah. I'm not meant to be driving them in a 20 year old Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the. I'm apparently not the target market for fancy Pepsi. Um, but yeah, I, I was just annoyed by that today. I thought maybe you're going to talk about the resurgence of Crystal Pepsi. Have you seen that? That's back. I had some. I've okay. got a bottle. It's in a normal bottle, so I'm not mad at it. Yeah. <laughs> Can drink that in the car. It tasted fine. It tastes like Pepsi. I'm not, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> like, yeah. It well, ta- well, for someone who doesn't, I'm trying to like wean myself off of soda and not drink as much sodas. And especially stay away from all that fake crap that I don't like that much. Yeah, well, this is perfect because half of it will spill out when it yeah. tips over in your cup holder. <laughs> so there you go, yeah. Hey, you get eight ounces of Pepsi out of your 12-ounce bottle. It won't be a regular purchase for me, but I got it was on sale at Safeway for like a dollar a can. So I'm like, yeah, I'll get a few. Yeah, I paid $2 at a gas station. What? But I expect to pay more for at a gas right. station for a drink than I would buying a 12-pack of something. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a 20-ounce is like $1.89 anyway. So. There you go. Yeah, that's my dislike. The is people people messing with things for no... First we lost the <laughs> headphone jack, and now, and now cans are the wrong shape and size. What's next? <laughs> All right. Russ, what's your dislike? All right. Well, my dislike is something I experienced with you. Really? Um, the, oh, oh, yeah. Your company. <laughs> your company. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's the uh, the new, the remake of Magnificent Seven. The, uh, uh, and apparently I'm wrong because uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 61% fresh and oh. the audience scores 79%. So I'm wrong, but... So no, be you're it. just a curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon. You kind of liked it, I think. I or you liked, liked it for it. what it was. So. I liked yeah. the trailer. I yeah. have not seen. I the liked movie. it for what it was. See, I, I like the theme. And you're probably gonna get into this, but <laughs> I don't hold the the 1960s because I don't know when. I probably saw it when I was a little kid with my dad, and so I don't have that much affinity for the original right. already. I, and I've never seen Seven Samurai, so. I went into it just like wanting to see a good western yeah. and want to see people shoot each other, and so that's what I got. And I have, I mean, I, I am coming Pratt from this. I am coming from this that I love the 1960 version, but I was going to give this one a chance, and it did not win me over. Um, it it bears little resemblance to the original, in that the only resemblance really is that there's seven guys, you know, seven desperados <laughs> or whatever, who get together to save a town. And that's the only thing, basically, that is the same. Um, the character names aren't the same. Hmm. The uh, the villain in the original is like this Mexican gang here. It's this land baron played by Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, which, I just like saying his name. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and you talked about the theme, you know, from the original. There's yeah. fantastic music. That theme was not used in this at all until oh, I'm out. the very <laughs> the last scene it, at the end credits they did like 20 seconds of the theme oh. and at that point I was kind of happy that they hadn't used the theme throughout it because I'd be like this theme does not belong in this movie because it's just I don't know I just didn't I never got into any of the characters I didn't care about any of them Chris Pratt was alright um, but they had and they had great 
actors, and they just wasted them. The, the writing was terrible, I thought. Um, who did they have? They had Chris Pratt and... Um, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington was, you know, was really good. the main guy. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, hold on. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke. You know, so they had a bunch of big-name people, um, mm-hmm. but they just didn't give them anything to do, really. There was no character arc with any of them, I didn't think. You know, Vincent D'Onofrio's character was kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. I had no... Besides him being interesting, I didn't have any hook into him at all, and so I just didn't care. And, you know, when various characters die, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, fine. I mean, my, I think my favorite character was... Uh, was the girl Emma, um, who's played by Haley Haley Bennett, and you know she seemed okay, and and I was somewhat interested, but the rest of them, even Denzel, I was like, yeah, all right, you're you're playing a stereotype hero bounty hunter guy, and yeah, okay, that's your character. There, at the end, they gave him a little bit of motivation for why he was going against this guy, mm-hmm. like in the original movie. Um, um, blanking on name, hold on. Uh, Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner, thank you. Yul Brenner's character is just this, you know, gunfighter who takes on this this uh, challenge. You know, the townspeople come to him and ask him to help, and he takes it on just because, not because it's the right thing to do, just because it's a challenge. Mm. Like, sure, I'll, I'll try to do that. And in the movie, he grows to love the town and love the townspeople. You know, and none of that happened in this movie right. at all. The guys didn't care at all about the town. They were just there because they're desperados and. And supposedly there was going to be some kind of payment at the end, and that was all. And but in in the original film, they well, I say the original because it is based on uh, on the Seven Samurai. But the original U.S. film, the all the desperados or almost all of them come to really love the town or, or love parts of the town, or mm-hmm. like like uh, Charles Bronson's character grows to love these two kids who follow him all around, and you know, so there's this human element that was definitely missing in this one. It's just like, it's action for action's sake, and there was, seemed to be no stakes to it, and, you know, I didn't care. When it was done, like, all right, well, that was two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, you know, um, review thing that they always put at the front, you know, that the, the critics' consensus, whatever, kind of sums up what I thought. It says, The Magnificent Seven never really lives up to the superlative in its title, or the classic from which it draws inspiration, but remains a moderately diverting action thriller on its own merits. So it's like, yeah, right. it was all right, yeah. but don't buy it on DVD, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't get the Blu-ray. Um, Red box it. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there. So the uh, the director was Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, Fuqua, yeah. Who did, uh, like, Training, Training Day, Day right. so he's worked with Denzel before. And Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke, right. So... Um, but I don't know. I just didn't didn't grab me. So, what did you like about it? Um, well, I did. I mean, I like westerns, and so you got the mm-hmm. good westerns. You got the you got the the horse tricks. Um, you had like the 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 spinning of the of the pistols, which I heard like Chris <laughs> Pratt talking about. Like they they all love to do that because it's like you you put a six shooter in your hand and you're gonna do <laughs> you that. Do that yeah. and so there's a lot of that, and and the, and the actors really got into that. And so I, I mean, I I like you know. The I like the, the the cinematography. I like the scenery. Um, yeah, it was well shot. It was I kind of like. Well I got into the characters. I got, yeah. I liked the yeah. Ethan Hawke and the and the and and the guy that he was with. I thought that that was really interesting. I thought the the the, the aspect of his character and what he was going through. 
I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, he was like this, you know, this, what do they call him? Um, the angel of death. He, he was, was like the civil shooter, war, yeah. civil war hero, but he was like suffering from PTSD. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought that was really interesting because they never really talked about that of coming from civil war of, of these soldiers who, who, and uh, there is a character like that in the Magnificent Seven, okay. the sixties version. And the story's done better. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> see, like I said, I haven't yeah. seen it. So, so what? What I was watching was a movie that I kind of right. got into, and I really liked. And maybe it was just, it was a modern 2016 movie, and with with modern sensibilities. Although you know, because you know, think even the world was different back in 1960 right. when oh, the yeah. was made. And and so I, but so like I said, I have I have no really recollection of the Magnificent Seven. It kind of blurs with all the other westerns i saw growing up with my right, dad yeah, yeah. and stuff like that so so for me it was like i watched it and i like chris bratt's character i actually liked vincent d'onofrio's and i heard that that he actually had a little bit of of carte blanche to create his character mm-hmm. the way he wanted to and so the way he the way he acted was was, yeah, was no, his take on it was i liked his characters yeah. they didn't do anything with it yeah, you know yeah. it, i mean it's, it's, and it's hard bad, in a so. movie like that when you have seven leads and i don't know how long the original magnificent seven oh, it's, was it's, it's close like, to pretty long it's close to three, three hours, hours yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the sensibility back maybe then the that, director's yeah friend. yeah yeah maybe so but for what it was i i enjoyed yeah. it and and i liked the westerns and it it it, it checked all the boxes that i wanted to see right. done and and that well i'm not much of i'm not as much of a movie snob as you are so i'm not i'm not i'm not and and like some of the movies you really like i'm like i don't like that so it's it's just like i said different strokes for different folks and 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 so if someone wants to watch it and like it i'm fine with that and go for it if you want to go see it yeah Um, because you might like it and it might do something for you that it might not do for someone someone else like what uh you like what you like kind of thing you know but if anybody wants to borrow the original Magnus, I would like I would like I to it. watch it. I would like to watch the original <laughs> now, and maybe I'll be totally, you know, right. change my opinion. Like, it was crap if I see the original yeah. one, you know. Well, if nothing else, now I have an excuse to put like Mag Seven theme like in the podcast. There you go. So, yeah. That. Wrong with that. Yep. yep. All right. Well, then I'll do it. <laughs> All right, Dominic. We're almost done. Okay. Two more. So um, we're rounding third. So my dislike is kind of a. I don't know, like a soft dislike, sort of, although it depends on the week. Um, and that is the... the Mondays. T- <laughs> Mondays. Actually, it is on on Mondays. And it's it's Gotham. The Fox show <laughs> Gotham. Yes, Andrew Andrew has the correct response. So, um, so obviously, being a, a Batman person, you know, I'm going to watch right, of course you're everything watch Batman-related. Like, I've seen... Uh, you know, every Batman cartoon, which there have been more in recent years than, than you even realize, and they're in middling levels of success. Um, so, of course, I'm going to watch it. But it's kind of, I guess my problem with it is that it never really knows which way it wants to go with itself. Like, bo- I mean, across the board. Like, it doesn't know what it wants to be about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know if it wants to be funny or if it wants to be really serious. Like, you'll have, you know... It doesn't know if it wants to be a Batman show or not. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Like, that's, that's actually true. <laughs> because, um, you know, like, they'll have cannibalism in, in the same episode that you have some kind of, like, slapstick nonsense. And, and you're like, well, that doesn't really... Like, there's not enough space between those mm-hmm. scenes where it, it just ends up being kind of, uh, kind of bizarre. And... You know, there's there's two schools of thought, kind of with, um, or not schools of thought necessarily, but two different ways you could go with like Batman and his villains. It's either that 
Gotham City was so bad and so crazy that Batman needed to exist. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Batman existed and then villains like upped the ante to kind of meet that challenge Mm -hmm. or whatever, which I personally find more interesting myself. But, um, you know, but if you want to go with the other way around, like, that's fine. But it's kind of, you know, they don't know whether they want to set up like a show that we're basically not going to get to watch that would be about Batman or if they're going to do a show where it's basically doing everything that you like about Batman, except without the thing you like the most, which is Batman. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, at this point, like, by the time he grows up to become Batman, every one of his villains is going to be, like, <laughs> 60? Which is kind of yeah. old to be knocking off yeah. Banks. Yeah. Poison Ivy is 70. Yeah, now she will be. Now she will be. Which, disclosure, I haven't seen the newest episode yet. I haven't seen episode two of this season yet, although I don't think it would change my mind. But, um... You know, it almost feels like somebody read the Wikipedia entries for, for Batman and then wrote a show and wasn't really a fan, because they're like, oh, the Court of Owls, like, that sounds cool, let's do something with, with that. And you're like, oh, okay, I mean, that's really random, but alright, you know. And it's kind of, I wish they would just go their own way with it, like, just completely just drop everything about, you know, what's normally canon and just kind of do it. And they've done a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and I think that's to some to some success, actually, is when they kind of go their own way. Like, there was this... um this animated Batman show in the early 2000s called The Batman. And it's not very good. Like, it's okay. It has mm-hmm. its moments. Um, but what I give them a lot of credit for is they do very different origin <laughs> stories and just stories in general with the various villains. So at first, you know, you're kind of like, oh, the Penguin's not like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, oh, like the Riddler's not normally mm-hmm. a fighter like that or like ruthless like that or whatever. But... Um, you know, you kind of say, well, all right, well, at least they're kind of doing something a little bit different with it. And I actually think their take on Clayface was really tremendous. And, and so they did a lot right, even if it wasn't exactly what I wanted or wasn't as good, mm-hmm. I give them credit for doing something different. So on Gotham, it's more like, oh, why did you do that that way? You know, so sometimes they step away from it and it's it's okay. <laughs> and other times it's, it's not. So mm-hmm. I just wish they would kind of, you know, go all in, like make... Like, some of the fan theories I've seen online would make the show way better. <laughs> like, uh, like Jim Gordon's ex-girlfriend being the Joker, you know, I think would be awesome. I think that huh. would be really cool. Or Jim Gordon himself turning into Batman and Bruce Wayne becoming the Joker. I actually think that would be really interesting. I think that would be kind of fascinating. <laughs> and uh, Jim Gordon has been Batman in the comics. So, I mean, there's even, like, some precedence there mm-hmm. if, if you want to, you know, go down that road. So, um, so you know, it's it's like a great looking show Mm -hmm. and there's even good people on it and good moments almost every episode there's something that i like but um it's just it doesn't mesh together well enough and there's too many disparate things going on at once and it it tends to work best when you focus on maybe one or two each episode and then if it happens to be a storyline you're invested in then cool but if not, then you're kind of thinking, oh, here we're, you know, we're bogged down by mm-hmm. uh, by Psycho Riddler again, which <laughs> that is one of my big problems, actually, is uh, is the Riddler, because he's normally just, basically just this guy that thinks, you know, he's the smartest person around, and he's mostly correct, except that Batman is smarter than him, and that's pretty much the only one. But they turned him into, like, this, like, Hannibal Lecter guy, you know, this <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, like, psychopath, mm. that's more like just a really smart Joker which I don't think works for that character. Mm-hmm. And he kind of went from bumbling lab tech to psycho killer 
in literally about one episode, <laughs> which didn't for a girl. Yeah, for a girl. For a girl, you know, man it's always pain. about the girl. Hashtag man pain. <laughs> so that didn't uh, that didn't work for me at all. But um, I don't know. Like, there's enough there where it could really turn a corner and actually be something I really look forward to every week, which makes it like extra enraging yeah. that it hasn't done that in a long time. Uh, so of course I'll keep watching it because uh, you know because I hate myself and because <laughs> I, I love Batman, but I, I will keep, uh, so keep what, checking it what out. What season is it in? It just Three. started the third. Okay. Yeah. So was the first season like really good? Uh, I liked the first it was, season. It was good. I mean, one thing that made it pretty great actually was there was a big focus on um, the team up between Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock, and Bullock is like the best part of the show, and he's hardly been on in a while, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. Um, But, you know, Jim Gordon's whole appeal is that he's the only good cop in a town full of corruption. And in season two, they were kind of like, hey, how about instead he be the anti-hero that breaks all the rules? What if he was also a bad cop? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, what if he was like Jack Bauer, like every other action hero on TV? And you're like, no, please, please don't do that, actually. (laughs) That would be terrible and lose the entire point. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it, it used to be at least... You know, there were more good episodes, or more mm. right with it than than wrong, and even continuing into season two actually for a good bit. Um, but then somewhere in there, somewhere near the end of season two, it just it yeah. just really yeah really threw it out the window. <laughs> Tanks, yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read what they were doing with Poison Ivy this season, and I was like, I don't need to watch this show anymore because <laughs> yeah. She was originally younger, is what yeah. happened. She was and like, then, she, they cast like a 12 or 13 year old actor, actress right, to play the 12 sense. or 13 year old version of her. Absolutely. Um, and then somebody at Fox was like, not bad, needs more TNA. Right. So <laughs> yeah. then they wrote it in where she, you know, through comic book reasons, uh, becomes <laughs> the hot Poison Ivy that we normally see and gets, <laughs> gets right to Poison Ivy in people, apparently. So. Yeah. Because and who is the actress who plays her? How old is she? Like, what the new one? Now. Yeah, she's yeah. probably like young twenty. But it was like this, you know, know, cool little. And I like the actress too. That's yeah, she I was think good. That's part of what makes me mad is like I actually like. I liked that character. Yeah. One of the few characters I like. Yeah. It's like, but what if she wore skimpier outfits? <laughs> right. but we can't do that on a thirteen-year-old girl. <laughs> right. So we have to recast her. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, why not? Um, yeah, that was because uh, now now it won't be weird if she tries to you know seduce like fourteen-year-old Bruce Wayne. Right. Um, but. Right. Yeah, but she still presumably has the mind of a thirteen-year-old girl. So you have all of these other ethical problems. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's still <laughs> extremely skeevy. Yeah, yeah and I was like, I think I, I'm just I not going to watch it yep. until someone says it gets a lot better. Because mm-hmm. I was already on the fence, and then I found out about that, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> like, I really didn't like what they did with like the the whole Joker stuff. And the last, like, yeah. I didn't like much of any of season two. I liked a lot of season one because it was like there was this cool like mob dynamics and it was different like the yeah. different mob families were fighting each other and I was mm-hmm. like oh that's a great way to do a Gotham show without Batman Batman you have you know the different mob families and really it's just a mob show mm-hmm. that happened yeah. to have a couple Batman characters good. here and there yeah. and I was really into all that and then it was you know season two rise of the villains what if we had every Batman villain <laughs> right <laughs> and for but but the problem with that is like why does Gotham need a Batman exactly. if all of his villains are stopped by the police yeah. <laughs> like, literally that's a huge no problem Batman whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah. This is the opposite of the hey Batman rises up and then the villains rise to match him. This is there is literally no need for a Batman in Gotham. Like 
Well, currently so, there isn't, but yeah. you never know in the future when he becomes of age. They would have to get really crazy for there to need a bad <laughs> yeah. at this point. And I still yeah. don't understand why Jim Gordon would ever name his daughter after his ex-girlfriend, who is a psychopath. Yeah, like, they're going to have to switch that up. <laughs> it's like, hey, why would you have him date a girl named Barbara and then have her turn out to be a psycho killer? And then, oh yeah, but Jim names his daughter Barbara, like, you know, because he loved her? Maybe? I don't know. Like, that was a that was some poor planning. Did they not notice, like, that they had the same name? They hadn't gotten to the Wikipedia entry on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was somewhere below his mother's was... name's Martha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got all hung up. They had to call the Batman v Superman writer. Did you know? <laughs> they didn't get to Barbara Gordon. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, that is the... Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of talk on Batman. Well, my dislike um, is... I don't know if it's annoyance or I really don't like it. I'm just kind of frustrated right now. But um, for, for Apple users, um, Apple just came out with a new major update to their software, iOS 10, and with these major updates, I don't know, you're, you're an iPhone user, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so you're the only one who's not. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you have an iPad, so you might have... Yeah. Might have <laughs> For listeners, Tim just singled out Russ with his <laughs> hand. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Mac doesn't have an iPhone. Um, so so with, with, with these new updates, always there comes changes, and... and the one changes that I really don't like are the the changes that affect me the most because it's the app that I use the most, which is the iTunes. which is iTunes, <laughs> Apple Music, Apple Music. Yeah, I listen to a lot of music, and um, so here, I just want to highlight three changes that they've made that I really don't like. Um, they're just really annoyances, and and I like the way it was before, and so these are the changes that just really irk me the most. So for, for the one change is that, so now if you have a, an, an artist catalog in your music, uh, it used to be where you would do, they would display it chronologically. Right. The albums were all which listed chronologically, sense. which makes sense. Not anymore. Now it's all alphabetically. And you can't change it? Can't change it. At least I don't know how. <laughs> um, but so like the Beatles, you know, so it, it, if you go to the Beatles catalog, which I have all the Beatles albums... It's now alphabetically, so you have to like scroll down and like, okay, if I want to play them in order or chronologically and listen to their, the Beatles, you know, tr- progressive musically right. as a band. So Rubber, now, Soul, and Revolver are switched. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so that's annoyance. And then another one is like if you click on an album itself, they don't give you the times for each song for some reason. Like they have like the total length of the album. Mm-hmm. But nowhere is listed is, is when you're just looking at it, the times of each song. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they're trying to clean it up and maybe they're like, that doesn't really matter. But for me, I like to know how long, like if I'm listening to an album and like, what's the next song, how long? Oh, so it's seven minutes? Right. Well, look, it's going to be seven minutes I get home and I'll in that song right when I pull in and <laughs> the little synergy things. But so that is just like, why can't you just put the, the times of the songs on there? I mean... That's. It just seems like it's a change that was made mm-hmm. arbitrarily without any thought, and it's like it's such an easy thing. Like most people want to know how long the songs mm-hmm. are on an album. Um, I really don't care how long the total album is. Really, right. um, I like to know the, the, the different songs. And then the last one is when you are going through your library, and I have a lot of compilations. I have a lot of soundtracks to to movies. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of like eighties compilation records. And usually the compilations were were listed 
in the um, alphabetically by the album title mm-hmm. because all of the artists is like various artists right, right, for right. most of my compilations. Right. I mean, yeah. these are all like yeah. different artists. So and so when you go to compilations, you should you should be like, if I want to listen to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, I would hit little G on G. the side there and right. go to G and then find it. But now it's all listed by artist, and so all of my various artist compilations are all in V, and then I have to like sit there and like scroll, scroll through scroll. each of the albums to try to find the album that I want to listen to. <laughs> and it's just like, now that's like adding time to, to my thing, and it's, it's not easy enough mm-hmm. to find. It's so it's these little changes that have just way complicated something that I was used to, maybe. Maybe that's what it was. I was just so used to... And I, like I said, I listen to a lot of music. Mm-hmm. I listen, my phone is usually playing music throughout the day um, in the background. No matter what I'm doing, I'm usually listening to, to music. And so all these changes are just like... There's, uh, not, there's not some setting where you can go to classic mode or anything. Is there? I don't know. I just haven't found it. Um, because like they've made some changes to like the, the computer-based you know, iTunes on your computer. And I have that. You, know, you can click on that where you can display the albums by right. by year and that's how it's organized in my list mm-hmm. and and even the compilations they they're all listed alphabetically and so I can just you know click on yeah. something like that. So you're so, saying your whole library is listed by artists? Um well <laughs> yeah usually but then like yeah usually so you can go to library you can go to you can search by artists you can search by songs album titles you Yeah can, I meant if you went to albums albums Oh okay. It's still it's still alphabetically by artists still, but then you okay because I know you can change that. I don't know about the rest of it, but yeah. it's just one of those, those some of those changes that just annoy the heck yeah. out of me. That I mean, they're always trying to clean. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe one of their software updates they'll bring back some of those things. Yeah. That people complain. I don't know if anyone else has a problem with those things, but those are just three like dislikes that mm-hmm. I don't like about the new. Um, iOS 10, and there's a lot of things I do like about it, but the the one app that I use the most right. has these major changes that kind of mucked it all up for me. So that's my dislike. And you know, I'm after a few months of using it, I might be totally in, used to it, and it won't bug me as much as it does now. But it's all kind of new, and it's, and it's bugging me right, right. now. Yep. So. So I'm, I'm talking about it. So there's, that's my dislike. I don't, and I don't know if any of you guys have, have come across any of those changes that bug you that much. I, I know you listen to a lot of music, Andrew. None of those have registered with me. Okay. There you go. Like I said, like, some things bother some people that don't yeah. others. and some people Yeah, like, I don't think I, I don't look at song times very often. Um, yeah. And, yeah, none of the other stuff even. I didn't yeah. notice any of those things until you just brought them up. <laughs> And I've used the music app a lot. So. Okay. Well, like I, said, I, so, like, I like the new music app. I think the UI looks a lot better. I like you can just pop in lyrics now. Like, that, hey, see, like, like, that's those, awesome. Those are some of the things I like. Yeah, the lyrics come up automatically for some of the, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff they have, so yeah. you can you know sing along if you want. I yeah. don't know. It seems, you... it seems faster and like that it actually like finds the songs I'm looking for better um, when I'm searching through Apple Music. So for the most part, I, I really like the. Um, I like the little yeah. uh, now playing bar down at the bottom where yeah, you like I said, stuff. I like the, awesome. like the, a lot of the look of it. If they keep that look with some of the still the same changes I, I've gotten used to and, li- and like, so I mean they cleaned up a lot of it. But but why do they now their artist catalog by you know I do a lot of like I want to listen to things chronologically. 
<laughs> to hear like a to hear how an artist has changed over their yeah. vast catalog right. of music. You know, like the Beatles have changed a lot from their first album to their last album mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time. But to be able to hear that progression mm-hmm. or like Queen, you know, Queen has a lot of albums and, and they've kind of Right. You yeah, know, their it? their early albums were really raw and then they've kinda of like upped their production value and so if you listen to that like chronologically, you can go through Queen's catalog and, and notice, oh, that's, you know, interesting. So now it's a lot harder to do that. <laughs> now you got to remember, okay, what's Queen Alma's first by title? Okay, now it goes that one. But now it used to be just like, oh, there it is at the bottom, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first album. So anyway, it's, a, it's a minor annoyance. And like I said, it might not bother me in a couple of months, but right now it's really <laughs> bothering me. Well, there you go. That is episode 12 in the bag. I'll make sure I save it properly and so that I can edit it and it will be to you guys, hopefully, real soon. But in the meantime, you can go to our Facebook page and like us there or make comments, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a rating and a, and a comment there. Um, leave comments on our, on our website, um, pumpingironypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at pumpingironypod. And uh, interact with us. We like to hear from you. And um, we'll catch you next time. Um, and I will sign off. My name is Tim. I'm Dominic. I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew. <laughs> we'll see ya. <laughs>